You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Seattle Police Chief announces tougher policy of prosecuting protesters who vandalize. Those peaceful protesters that we know oh so well. They may be facing a little more heat. Before we jump on into the Seattle Times article, if you're new here, thanks for joining. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies. So I'm a real estate guy that reads the news. Let's jump on in. This is my Mike Lindblom, Seattle Times staff reporter. People who destroy property during street protests will be arrested and prosecuted under a tighter new policy coordinated with Seattle City Attorney Pete Holmes, Interim Police Chief Adrian Diaz announced Saturday. So a couple of days this announcement came out. So we are we are on the front end of maybe actually doing something. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know. I, I don't know if the prosecuting attorney is really on board with this. I read through this article and you, you can be the judge. But I was kind of like, okay, is this is this going to have any impact at all? Because we need to get these guys off the streets right now willy nilly. Because they're smashing up windows on businesses that are having a tough time holding on. The enforcement was to begin Saturday afternoon when a demonstration was set for Occidental Square. That is in downtown Seattle. However, it's unclear what, if anything, will be different. Holmes wasn't at the news conference. Pete Holmes, the uh, uh, city, city, city of Seattle attorney. Holmes wasn't at the news conference and in a statement, his office said misdemeanor policies are the same. Nothing's changed. Huh. That's a little bit contradictory here, but... No documents to outline any enforcement changes were immediately available. Well, we only learned about it after the fact. Dan Nolte, a city attorney spokesperson, said regarding the hastily called news conference, Diaz told reporters he has wanted to crack down on property destruction for months and that in his opinion, violent protesters and vandals aren't promoting a cause. They've been focused on lighting fires. They've been focused on, you know, breaking windows and thing and these thing these are things that we need to work on he said so good for the police chief for trying to do something he's trying to get something going he's trying to get some traction going my concern is that the prosecutors they're just they're going to they're going to talk about it and they're going to pay lip service but the reality is and there's so many different cracks these people who do this kind of stuff can fall through and just pop back right back out on the street. I think you're just going to see more of that. But at least this is a step in the right direction. Hopefully, we'll see. I don't know. His statements followed a protest on Inauguration Day in Seattle, where some participants broke shop windows and shouted expletives directed at President Joe Biden. So we've got a new president and they're already going after him. Because, I mean, that is what you do when you are an anarchist, right? You don't want any kind of government. You don't want any kind of anything that tells you what to do. Diaz said Seattleites support nonviolent demonstration ranging from environmental causes to Black Lives Matter. Okay? But we don't support smashing of windows. We don't support that kind of stuff. And that's about all we're seeing right now. And I... I I've said so many times, what message is that really bringing? And when you kind of get into it and you start looking at what Antifa is saying, it's like, huh, all right, that's a different approach. That's not an approach I would take. But then again, 
I'm not really up for anarchy, right? However, over Wednesday's events, it doesn't matter who was in the presidential office. It really is a matter of understanding that people are just out there for destruction, he said. That is true. That is what's happening. That demonstration's theme was abolish ICE. So we've got a new theme here coming online, abolish ICE. That's, that's, the, that's the flavor of the day of the month, whatever it is. Uh, the Federal Immigration Enforcement Arm, according to protesters Wednesday, only a few dozen marchers appeared Saturday afternoon and moved from Occidental Square and onto Second Avenue. As of 5.30 p.m., there were no arrests and no reports of crime, said Officer Valerie Carson, the police spokeswoman. Saturday's news conference followed a conversation Friday night, after which Holmes and Diaz agreed to increase prosecution. So this is what we're doing, Carson said. In some cases, suspects in lower-level crimes weren't booked into jail last year because of worries about spreading coronavirus. Plus, we're under the impression here in Seattle that all protesters, even the ones committing violence, they're peaceful. They, in fact, are not. They are causing property damage left and right. And this is a time where businesses are still shut down. I just spent, uh, I spent about three hours yesterday on Sunday, while everybody else is watching NFL football. I was walking around Seattle because it's been a long time since I've been walking through downtown Seattle. So I did about a, a 10 mile, three hour walk and I shot some footage. I'll we'll have to see if we can get a video out of that. Just I wanted to see what was going on on a Sunday afternoon. It was kind of raining, not a lot going on, but I wanted to see what the general vibe of the city was. And I'll be sharing that with you over the course of the next few podcasts and, and probably into the future because it was really interesting, some really interesting dynamics going on in Seattle. But I think one of them was that I saw like six or seven police cars throughout the city, just kind of cruising around, and a lot of private security, a lot of private security officers, just they're doing the rounds around the exterior of the block. I could, you know, I'm walking down a street, public street, and maybe I'm walking down the sidewalk in front of their uh, entrance or whatever, but they are, they are heavily doing some uh, recon work. They are making sure that the homeless are not sleeping or living in their doorways, and that things are in order and that their windows are not getting smashed out by just a lot of this stuff has been random violence. It hasn't been the peaceful protesters going through and smashing out windows that has happened. But there's also just a ton of vandalism that's happened in the downtown core areas during COVID. Because there's hardly anybody around except for these vandals and the homeless people. So you've just got kind of free range for a lot of these groups to kind of do their own thing. And that's what they've been doing. And then you throw on top of that, the peaceful protesters who aren't so peaceful with their hammers, you know, rearranging windows. Got to get got to get tough on those folks. So here's what we're going to do. So but even with the new policy, Carson said there are several misdemeanor offenses that won't get people booked into jail. The main difference would be afterward, when someone out on personal recognizance or PR, or bail is more likely to be prosecuted, whether that means jail crowding in the near future is a question for King County authorities. If it means taking a bunch of people off off the streets who are consistently they're being arrested, let go, arrested, let go, then that's fine. King County just needs to figure out with their jail crowding, you're going to have to take on some people, you're going to have to put some people in jail, you got to get these guys off the street. And that's not going to happen. Unless you arrest them, prosecute them, put them in jail. 
Diaz spoke from the West Precinct Plaza on Virginia Street, where a six-foot-high wall of concrete block shields the glass door entrance. So that's the West Precinct. The East Precinct is up and chop, and uh, that's still got the eco blocks around it. And I, does it have razor wire? I can't remember. Barbed wire, whatever it is. And they just took the wood um, the wood off of the glass uh, windows in that precinct. So, you know, it's kind of like um, both of the any, anything federally related or police related. It's been on lockdown. It's been on hunker down because you just got everybody wanting to take a, a, a whack at the police buildings. Diaz said police have arrested about 600 people for various incidents in riots or protests since last spring, and often misdemeanors haven't been prosecuted. I've been in conversation with the city's attorney office, Pete Holmes, and he will be prosecuting these cases from now on. That is what I question. Diaz told reporters he has actually allowed us to have the support of his staff to assist and review of those cases as they occur so they can be prosecuted to the fullest extent. When we don't have any form of accountability for people, and many of them are coming from outside of the city, they will continue to do that destruction, and we can't have that. Hear, hear. I totally agree. You can't continually have that. Whether or not the city of Seattle prosecutor is going to do anything, that is the next step that we'll have to kind of take a look at and see. Seattle really going to change? Are we really going to be doing anything? Or are we just kind of lip service? I kind of think it's just lip service, but I am also a little bit more critical. I Because this is a prosecutor who's basically said, Oh, yeah, if you guys want to, you know, basically decriminalize most of the misdemeanors, like 100 misdemeanors, I'm okay with that. We're already essentially doing that. They've already kind of come out and said that. Yeah, you know, if if people are doing low level crimes, we're not going to prosecute them. That's and that is why Seattle has kind of the crime problem. It does to the extent it does, because there's people coming in and they're doing their criming and they know they're going to get away with it. If they get caught at all, it's a very light slap on the wrist. It is nothing major. So you've got just all kinds of low-level criminals running around doing their thing. And why shouldn't they? Why why wouldn't you? If you know you commit a crime in this city and there's going to be no uh, retribution, there's going to be no enforcement of the law. Why wouldn't you just go there? You know, bring it on. Oh, let's go to Seattle. Let's operate in Seattle. That's what I think is going on. Seattle City Attorney's Office policy has been consistent, Nolte said, the spokesperson, uh, in an email Saturday. Pete Holmes has no interest in charging peaceful protesters. There you have it. Pete Holmes has no interest in charging peaceful protesters, not just saying, hey, we're going to go after the ones smashing out small businesses' windows or Starbucks or Amazon, because that happened last Wednesday, Inauguration Day. They just took hammers and smashed windows. But somehow that is peaceful protesting. When people are arrested, prosecutors review the cases to assess the available evidence. The context of the arrest and whether a jury of Seattleites would find the person guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, Nolte wrote. But we're not prosecuting peaceful protesters. No, we're not doing that. Thousands of arraignment hearings need to be rescheduled because of COVID-19. 
And the municipal court currently holds arraignments only for persons who are in jail, Nolte said. So when people are arrested and released, they will have their cases considered after the court more fully reopens at a later date. So what are we going to do about this right now? It doesn't appear anything. I could be wrong there, but don't think so. There is a statute of limitations of two years to prosecute gross misdemeanors, Milty said. So prosecutions for arrests now might be possible months later after backlogs decrease. We need to get these guys off the street now. That's just bottom line. In my walking around downtown Seattle, another major observation was how, how on certain streets, so many businesses are shut down. Space available, business for sale, uh, for lease. Just there's 160 businesses, I think, in, in downtown Seattle, restaurant type businesses that have basically closed down. I mean, that's it's just a bloodbath of small business there. And then on top of that, they've got these vandals and they've got protesters running around smashing windows, sometimes looting stores, sometimes going into a Starbucks, Starbucks and Amazon always always typically get hit last Wednesday, they got hit again, because you might as well go after Starbucks. I mean, easy corporate target, even though Starbucks does at Amazon they do both support Black Lives Matter. But we're kind of beyond Black Lives Matter here now, aren't we? We're just we're now we're into ice We're we're ah, let's get rid of ice. Immigration, we don't like those guys. We don't like any authority at all. Let's get rid of ice. So we're, we're, we're kind of inching past the whole Black Lives Matter because that that has run its course as far as what the protesters are doing. I haven't seen a Black Lives Matter protest here for a while. Every now and then you'll hear somebody throw out throw that out there. Well, this was a BLM protest. And you're like, okay, but it seems like you guys are more, you're more doing other stuff. You're, you're going after ICE, you're going after the current president, Joe Biden. Um, so lucky you, Joe, that you get to be the one now that are at the crosshairs of uh, our black block friends, right? Three arrests were made Saturday or Wednesday night, he said one person was jailed and charged with assault, a window smashing at the Pike Place Market Starbucks was referred to county prosecutors as a possible felony. And the federal uh, government is handling a case involving damage to a federal building, Nolte wrote. Throw those guys in jail. Throw them in jail for a while. Make them think about what they're doing. Because otherwise, this is just going to keep on going. Same thing down in Portland. You need to do the same thing. Throw them in jail. Make it a couple years. I don't care. Get them off the streets. Make some kind of statement. Make some kind of stand. Because the rest of us are sitting around going, well, if you're not going to do anything, that's that's what's going to happen. Nothing. It's just going to keep on going. So when I was on my 10 mile walk, I did walk past the Pike Place, Marse, uh, Pike Place Market Starbucks. It was so busy. It was crazy. It had a line out front of, I don't know, 20 people, 25 people. I mean, it was and the line kind of wrapped in inside and it was like, well, people got to have their coffee, right? It's it is. So that's the first Starbucks and it is literally little alleyway just past um, 
you go due west towards Puget Sound, uh, and then you run into Pike Place Market, you know, where they throw the fish and big Pike Place Market sign, you hang a righty and you go literally half a block and there's the first Starbucks store ever. That's right there. And that got rocked last Wednesday, and they smashed a bunch of windows and I could see I took uh, footage of it, I hope it turned out. Um, and I've got the people on the line. But Pike Place Market, busy, super busy, lot of tourists there. So people are recognizing, all right, yeah, Pike Place Market, Starbucks, it got rocked a few days ago. But th this is just Seattle. And we're tourists, we want to go see that first Starbucks, we want to get a coffee from the first Starbucks. So it's not impacting business at all. And there's a lot of tourism in the northern end of downtown Seattle, southern end, ooh, different story, wouldn't take a first date there. No go. I it was kind of at the beginning of my walk, I walked through Soto, which is the south of the dome south of the King Dome that hasn't been there for years. But it's where our two big stadiums are our baseball and our football stadium are. And um, that area was scary. There's a few blocks there where I'm, I turned one corner and I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm turning around. I literally did a U turn, walked back, went to a different street, crossed over another side and kept going. Because there was a bunching of tents with some crazy music coming out of them. And it was clear that that was some kind of setup. I don't know what it was. But I was not meant to be there. I was not meant to be walking past there. Um, even on a Sunday afternoon. That was one of those things where it was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta, I got stuff to do. Don't want to die today. Dying not on my list of things to do. So I turned around and booked it. And um, so south end of downtown Seattle, rough. There's some streets there. Morrison Hotel, you'll see that in the Como documentary, the second Seattle is dying, the fight for the soul of Seattle, I think is what it's called. Um, you'll hear a lot about the Morrison Hotel. When I was walking past the Morrison Hotel, it was creepy. And I don't know if that was because in my head, I'm like, Oh, this is the Morrison Hotel. This is where all this stuff goes down. I mean, just the shootings and the violence and the stabbings and people assaulting each other. That is a thing there. That's the number one suck of the Seattle Police Department resources, no matter what calls coming out of there. So when you walk through there, you're like, Oh, there it is. Oh, should I cross over the street and get that get that closer up view of the hotel? The Morrison? Yeah, I think so. But oh, let's make this quick. Let's just kind of kind of run through here. And so then I walked up all Third Avenue. Third Avenue is the one that I talk about fairly often. It has uh, shootings, it has, you know, some standard and stabbings, you've got some, um, you know, you've got people getting hurt, you got people getting robbed. And it, it, there are a lot of businesses there closed down, they are not open for business, a lot of empty spaces there. Um, but it wasn't as bad as I was envisioning, I was thinking, you know, just total inner city cracked out, you know, just war zone, the streets have been recently cleaned, that was good. A lot of the homeless are out of there. There are still a lot of streets where it's like, wow, that's a sidewalk I can't even walk past on because you got so many tents. That's supposed to have people be able to go down that sidewalk, but not today. Not today. So there are certain sections of the town that are rough. There are other parts that I'm like, wow, there are a lot of tourists here 
for still having, we don't have any indoor dining in, in Seattle, in the state of Washington. We don't have indoor dining yet, which I know to most of you probably seems ridiculous unless you're in California, but, um, you know, in other states that are still kind of shut down. But there's, you know, in the right places, there's a lot of stuff going on in Seattle. So Seattle is down, but it is definitely not out. And then the other major thing, so I saw a lot of private security, I saw a lot of police officers, and that's because they are literally trying to handle people coming through, smashing windows, staying where they shouldn't, bringing in an influence, going to rob places, doing all that kind of stuff. People are kind of taking it upon themselves. And I did see a police presence there. So that was good. Um, but then the other major thing, and I'll talk about kind of more in depth, was the amount of development in the South Lake Union area of downtown Seattle. It is mind-blowing how many buildings are going up. Seattle City skyline is rapidly expanding. So people want to say, ah, it's the next next Detroit. No, Seattle has got too much economic stuff going on, and it's still super viable. And um, once we get a handle on some of this stuff, and that's going to take a while. And that's where this is kind of a start. Let's see how this goes. But you've got this, you've got this juxtaposition of people living on the sidewalks doing crime, doing crazy stuff, you got the protesters running around, then you've got these massive high rises being built these multi 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 million dollar business or uh, uh, developments and buildings, and they're going to have businesses in there, and they're going to have people in there. So it's just this weird haves and the have nots, right? Like any major city. But in Seattle, I think it's even kind of worse, because we've just got so many homeless somewhere around 10,000 homeless. I know the estimate, the official count is like 5000, but there's no way it's like double that. So it's this this weird thing, this city exploding in development, and yet, a lot of its residents just literally being left behind on the streets. They're whacked out on drugs, they've got mental health care issues. That's what I saw. That's what I saw walking around. So really sad. And really just kind of like, where are we? What, what planet have I landed on? And that was over the course of literally like a three hour walk. So it's not like I hit every single street or back alley. But I had a pretty good feel, you know, all the major areas Walked through Denny Park, yeah, that's still I mean, I just did a video there a couple of weeks ago, and it's still just tent encampment. Um, but, you know, I don't know what to say for those folks, you got to get them some help somehow living in the living in a tent in Seattle and in winter, not where you want your fellow human being to be. Extra officers were being deployed Saturday to downtown streets, said Diaz, without giving numbers. The police department was coordinating with the Washington State Patrol to deter people from entering freeways. Keep them off the freeways. That's not. That's never going to end well. And also federal officers who would defend federal buildings. The other, the uh, King County Courthouse, ooh, outside the King County Courthouse, bunch of people camped out in tents and it looked rough. I shot that from like half a block away. Like I wasn't even going to get remotely close to that because there was some people milling around there that I thought that is not the scene I want to try and even shoot. Even though I know you guys would love it. But I want to be here to like do another few more podcasts. And that is an area and that's a park right south of the county courthouse that is it's rough. It's, I mean, shooting, stabbings, you you name it, assaults. 
So I didn't get real close there, but I did kind of go buy it. And I kind of, you know, had my GoPro and I'm just like, doo-dee-doo, walk down the street, get what footage I can. Hopefully I got some good stuff. But, you know, I'm here and that's what's more important, right? For me, maybe not for you guys. I mean, we don't care, Sean. Just get the footage. Diaz said that along with COVID-19, property damage is one factor in downtown's loss of more than 100 businesses last year. And I'm pretty sure that's like 160 now. In past years, such as during the Occupy movement, bicycle police customarily moved in lines between a crowd and the buildings to deter property damage. That's not the norm nowadays, Carson said. We would like to protect buildings from being vandalized in the first place and don't want to cause undue conflict. You know what? At this point in time, I would say do whatever it takes to square this away. Don't really care. Fix it. It's been going on long enough. It's safer for protesters and officers to not be drawing that line, so to speak. Mm, Protesters don't seem to care. Diaz said that he redeployed 100 officers to patrol duty from other units last year and that protest duty is draining department resources. Imagine that. Last year, there were 50 homicides compared to 31 the year before. So we are at a, I think it's a 26-year high on the homicides. I mean, that's not really where you want to be, is it? No. And they're saying a bunch of the other crime is down. But that's because I think we're just not even recognizing like half of it. I have no idea. We're just not not even getting out to police calls to 911 calls to help people out. I read stories about that all the time. So our police force is spread thin. I think they're doing the best that they can. And um, I was glad to see them in neighborhoods in downtown Seattle that I didn't think I would see. I'd read a lot about no police presence. Now, there was a police presence, and maybe it's a short-term thing. I don't know. Maybe that's the deal. But um, it was good to see that. It was good to see the private security officers as well. But that costs money to individual businesses that big businesses can afford. Small businesses can't get their own private security guard. It's too expensive. And that's a cost that you shouldn't incur for just running your business. Yeah, that's our armed guard out there. He stands out there because the peaceful protesters, they just keep smashing our windows. I mean, that kind of stuff has got to stop. And that's what we're kind of talking about here is, all right, this is how we're talking about doing it. Is this going to work? I don't know. I have my doubts, but at least it's a discussion in the right direction Get these businesses some help, get these citizens living in these condos and apartments downtown to um, maybe be living in a little bit better situation. It's going to take a long time. And that's if anything happens. And with political leadership the way it is right now in Seattle, I am not too overly confident that you're going to see any kind of big turnaround anytime soon. But there's yeah, uh, Seattle still it's it, it, it's not doing great, but it is not down and out. It's it's got some issues. It's got to square away some stuff. I wouldn't, um, I, I wouldn't want to do any conventions in downtown Seattle. I would be like, uh, yeah, probably not. Probably skip to another town that doesn't have this set of circumstances, right? So I think those are the right calls for people who are bringing in people from the outside, from other cities. Hey, what do you guys say we go to Seattle? What do you say? We hang there. And people love to come to Seattle to see all the tourist trap stuff because it's cool. It's fun. It's on Puget Sound. I mean, big Ferris wheel, Space Needle, you name it. That's cool stuff. But if you get assaulted on the way to the Space Needle, is it really worth it? Mm, Probably not. That's what we got to juggle here in Seattle. How do we make this more safe? Don't know. 
They're working on it. Chief Diaz, you do your thing. Pete Holmes, see what you got. See if you do anything at all. I don't know. But as this storyline continues, I will bring it up to you right here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch up with you guys in the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.